We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Way early this morning, Brad Higdon shared a major spoiler alert from everyone's favorite hit show, Sad Emojis, to express his feelings about the plot twist and a playlist he made to drown out his sorrows? Dude, oversharing alert. Brad, Geico has something worth sharing with those who haven't defriended you. Like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance at Geico.com. So stop moping about the post-apocalyptic world and start saving in the real world. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today as always on Tuesdays by Eric Couturia. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find Eric at ETCAT30, 
and myself at jakeski52. How are you doing so far this afternoon, Eric? Oh, great. How about you, man? Oh, not too bad. Uh, a little bit of NFL news to get to today. Not quite as big as last week with Foster, but uh, still some in- interesting topics to talk about. To say the least. Absolutely. Well, uh, once the regular season gets underway, the Tuesday edition of this podcast will focus on players to target on the waiver wire in your leagues and all kinds of formats. But today, Eric and I will uh, revisit wide receiver depth chart battles as we did with the AFC last Tuesday. This time, we'll shift focus and pick out five NFC teams to kind of dissect the depth charts there. And one final reminder, if you are listening on iTunes or Stitcher, where the podcast is now available, it would be a huge help for us if you could please leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening there. So without further ado, we'll get into the big breaking news of the afternoon, the morning. Honestly, I wasn't sure what to believe when I first saw this headline, when I first read it, but it looks like Geno Smith of the Jets will be out six to ten weeks after getting, quote, sucker punched by teammate I.K. Anumpali in the locker room. Sorry if I butchered that name there. And of course, not surprisingly, the sixth round pick was released shortly afterwards. And uh, coach can't be happy about something like this, right? Well, not at all, especially since you're trusting in this guy to lead the team this year. Um, I, how, what, is it, what are the fantasy ramifications after this? I mean, I think it almost you have to look at it more towards some of the secondary players than the actual quarterback. Right. Uh, looking at Geno Smith, uh, his ADP uh, was about was 29 this morning. Of course, that'll be heading down quite a bit now. And his backup, who's who we'll get to talking about in a second here, his uh, backup, Ryan Fitzpatrick, his ADP was actually 33. So he was one of the top backups projected to kind of jump into a starter's right. role eventually there. But uh, do you see pretty much an even even flop between the two of them? You're, you're going to avoid both in standard 12-teamers, right? Uh, yeah, indeed. Um on the other hand, like he might actually have a slightly better situation than he had last year with Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins. Last year, he completed 63% of his passes, which is very competent in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 17 touchdowns versus eight picks in 12 games. Um, he won't have the same type of run game, you know, no Arian Foster, of course, of course. but they're going to be a run-heavy offense, so he's still going to have like uh, maybe his pick of the litter when it comes to like his favorite pet passes. Yeah. Um, and that also Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker to throw to. So I, I don't know that I, I like that combo a little better than last year's. Yeah, it works Houston. out. Yeah. For, yeah. For me, it works out really well for Geno Smith. I actually, because of the Marshall Decker combo, uh, he had some kind of built some chemistry with Decker, uh, last year. I just remember seeing them, right. uh, uh, against the Packers week two I was at Lambeau for that game and I saw Decker get one early and uh, they were looking pretty solid together before of course the Packers came back and took care of business there but <laughs> but I mean uh, yeah the, the two receivers there Marshall Decker I think that's a good combo for any quarterback for me personally that was actually enough for me to squeak Geno Smith into my top 200 when we were doing the composite rankings I actually had him at roughly about 200 overall I'm like no one else is high on this guy. I, I'd take a chance on him as a, as a QB two because of those weapons there. So if you're in a four, t- if you were in a fourteen team league, he would have been right there on the edge. Yep. Yeah. Okay. He was. Yeah. He was a fringe player before he came in. Um, of course, still a fringe player. Maybe a waiver wire pickup at some point much later down the road. Mm-hmm. You never know. But I mean, if Fitzpatrick plays well and the Jets uh, are in contention for a division title, remember that AFC East uh, expecting to be without the Patriots and Tom Brady for at least the first few weeks. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, one thing you hear from all the three other teams, you know, the Dolphins, Jets, and Bills in that division is they're all hopeful that they can, you know, kind of stake a claim to the division a little bit with mm-hmm. Brady out of the picture. You know, if the Patriots somehow fall, or if they do falter under Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm not going to say they will or won't, but if they do, say they start one and three, 
like one of these teams could have like the upper hand, you know? Yeah. It's almost like when I was in elementary school and it's like, uh, the fat kid getting a head start in the relay race a little bit <laughs> is how I think of that. And, and yeah. uh, yeah. And going with that, uh, I think that's what all those teams think is that they'll have a chance to maybe make up a couple games early on. And some of them that were just on the fringe towards the end of the season, eight and eight teams, maybe get one more win <clears> out of that and can maybe squeak a wild card berth out of that. So that's something to think about in that yeah. department. And just the fact that Fitzpatrick is a veteran, he's not going to be phased by coming into the, the situation at all. And actually mm-hmm. the team might like, um, Back, back him up and you know actually could rally show around him yeah yeah rally around like this veteran president oh we have a better shot to win this mm-hmm. guy's not 23 exactly and Fitzpatrick's been around in the league you said a veteran he's been around since 2005 he made his debut season yeah. with the Rams but it took until last year when he actually was in a potent potent offense I don't even want to say potent dish making up words and whatnot but uh <laughs> but no the Houston had the weapons and uh I know QBR is the big uh the big uh, stat these days, but uh, he had his best quarterback rating, 95.3 in 2014. Mm-hmm. And his QBR, of course, uh, he had uh, just a one-game sample in 2006, so I'm going to throw that out there. But his 56.7 QBR, not the greatest in terms of that statistic, mm-hmm. but still the best of his career last year. So I don't really think this changes too much, uh, I guess, the Jets' outlook or as far as either quarterback's ADP, except for the fact they're flip-flop. Now, on the other hand, there's Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, and we already touched on this. I, I, are you treating any of them differently going into drafts because of Fitzpatrick, whether more positive or more negative, or, and, or is it pretty much the same as we were at before? I mean, let's just look at the quarterbacks. Look, let's look at Brandon Marshall first and the quarterbacks who have thrown to him in his career. So he's caught passes uh, from Cutler, Jay Cutler, Kyle Orton, Chad Henney, Matt Moore, Jay Cutler again, and Josh McCown with the with his three different squads in Denver, Miami, and Chicago in his career. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Fitzpatrick is a huge drop-off from any of those guys, and it's probably kind of on the same plane as those. So, I mean, I don't really I don't really see much change on his end. Yeah, it's a, it's a matter of uh, – yeah, I love that point that you make because, uh, yeah, none of those guys exactly the cream of the crop. I, I know smoking Jay Cutler would always be uh, – he would just be forcing him, force-feeding him balls all the time, and he'd like that. I don't know if Fitzpatrick's that type of quarterback or not, but as far as quarterback skill level, it's fine. Uh, looking at ADPs, uh, Brandon Marshall sitting at 25 overall uh, in terms of ADP, so he's kind of right in the same – uh, boat as people who may be taking a gamble on Amari Cooper, Jarvis Landry, a popular sleeper, Jeremy Macklin. And then we move down to Decker, and he's sitting at uh, 42 in terms of ADP. And this is wide receivers, not overall. And uh, Decker's kind of right in the camp with Victor Cruz and Pierre Garcon, Devontae Adams, who we'll touch on in a little bit later there. So are NFFC uh, leagues PPR? Um, I do not believe so. Okay, so, so this might have something to do with it. Yeah, yeah I mean, if, well, I would say I would push Marshall maybe even a little higher if it's PPR Mm -hmm. just because he's been the possession receiver of the two options throughout his career yeah I mean if it came down to me and I'm picking there and it 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 came down to the surefire maybe not sure thing but the more experienced safer option in Brandon Marshall I'd maybe go Marshall over a guy like Amari Cooper who's a little bit unknown and and has a very young quarterback with him right and uh, I mean Jarvis Landry I think his value ups a lot of it a lot in PPR so I don't know I think the ADP has it right here but I could see it it fluctuating either way but not too much because of this quarterback news if anything possibly improves Mm -hmm. 
All right. So moving on to uh, just another bit of news here, uh, a situation that we've been following pretty closely in the Rotowire office just because of the fantasy implications here. Uh, Joseph Randall has been dealing with an oblique injury lately, but he returned to practice Tuesday at least. And the last I saw from Cowboys practice is that he was taking first team reps in the pre-practice work. Of course, that's because Darren McFadden is dealing with a hamstring injury. Lance Dunbar is dealing with an ankle injury. So both of those guys are sitting out completely. McFadden expected to return to practice by Saturday. However, you never know with those veterans. Those dates are pretty uh, fluctuating. But, uh, I mean, Eric, just what's your overall take on the Cowboys' backfield situation? A lot of things can happen, and I think if you pick the right one behind that offensive line, you might not get DeMarco Murray production, but you could possibly get top – 15 even top 10 running back if you choose right and I know personally I, I lean towards Randall right now are you in that same boat oh yeah I'm definitely in the same boat like he, he has two years in the Cowboys system and the fact that the Cowboys and Jerry Jones specifically weren't actually kind of trying to get uh um DeMarco Murray to come back makes me feel a little more comfortable uh supporting Randall mm-hmm. uh in his two seasons combined, he's ran 105 times for 507 yards, which is good for a 4.8 yard per carry clip and five touchdowns. But last year he ran for 6.7 yards per carry. So, yeah, like even if he is in more of a workhorse load, uh, having that type of load, I guess, it, it'll come back to, you know, probably closer to five, like yeah. his, like his <laughs> uh, career average. But mm-hmm. – on the other hand, I don't know. Like I, I'm feeling good that like the Cowboys have so far supported him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think of McFadden uh, in comparison to Randall. I, I mean, I'm not drafting McFadden thinking I'm going to depend on him or rely on him in any weeks. If I do get Joseph Randall early on, maybe I consider handcuffing him with McFadden, but it'd be one of my later picks, and I feel like someone would probably jump on that or have a place a higher value than me or than me on McFadden and the reason I had I mean I have I bumped Randall into my top 50 quite recently he's right around yeah. there the Rotowire expert composite rankings we have him at 41 overall and that's in PPR formats to keep in mind right yeah, so I mean just overall my reasoning for it was just because of lack of faith in McFadden oh I look okay at, yeah go ahead sorry. go for it okay no I was just gonna say I look at McFadden's last three years 3.3 yards per carry, 3.3 yards per carry, 3.4 yards per carry, and I, he just doesn't have any long runs. And he, uh, I don't see um, too many. I, I saw stats somewhere. I can't seem to find it now, but the, he hasn't had a run of 20 plus yards, or maybe just one in the past. How many seasons? Like I just don't have a lot of faith there. Well, aside from the fact that he, you know, has future production, 3.3 yards per carry the last three years, like you said. He doesn't rip off runs. He's injury prone. Mm-hmm. Um, the only re- way I, w- I guess I would consider drafting him, him is if I actually drafted Randall earlier to handcuff him. Handcuff yeah. him. That would be the only situation. Or if uh, some other owner that I would dislike, you know, drafted Randall at one point, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna grab uh, McFadden just yeah. uh, for to hang him over his head when if Randall gets injured at some point. Yeah, like just to spite your brother in your hometown league or yeah. something like that. Like, haha, you didn't get him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I'm right on board with that. I mean, McFadden, he's going to be 27 this year. That's not, I mean, he's still on the right side of 30. That's not super old for running back years, but I mean. That's pretty, I'm surprised he's 27. I saw him in a bowl game. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that was for Arkansas against, yeah, uh, against the In like 2008. Batters. Yeah, I know. It's just, uh, yeah, it's crazy. He seems a lot older than that, but uh, he, yeah, he's a young guy. Never scored more than five touchdowns in a season. Had a thousand yard season back in 2010, but hasn't really came close since then. And I mean, Back then, he averaged 
5.2 yards a carry. And if that's two down, I mean, it's just not looking great. I, our early projections for 2015 have McFadden actually having a pretty productive fantasy year for in terms of where you're getting him from in terms of ADP. Uh, we got him projected for 687 yards and five touchdowns, but I could very well see that going in the other direction if Joseph Randall kind of irons out his role in the preseason, which I'm fully confident would happen will happen. And now you almost have to think of Joseph Randall as a fourth or fifth round pick in a standard 12 team. Right? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, yeah, look at all the weapons that are on that offense. Like if mm-hmm. if they can just have a competent running game, yep. something you know approaching what DeMarco Murray has done the last few years, then yeah, he's a really great option. And you're right, fourth or fifth round is not out of the question. Yeah, absolutely. And it, for me, it's just the offensive line. I still think that offensive sure. line is one of the best in the, in the league, or if not the best in the league, you could definitely make a case for that. So whoever they put running behind it, you, you know, they could get some third string guy. And I'm, you know, if they use Lance Dunbar, I'm sure he'll yeah. be okay. He's even shown flashes in the past. But yeah, the, like you don't really want to discount Randall, though. I mean, he he has like a okay sample size mm-hmm. so far in his career, and if he, you know, just upset, like he has 105 carries in his career. Let's say he gets three times as many carries as the workhorse back, that puts him uh, nearly 1,500 yards if he uh, stays at the clip mm-hmm. he's uh, already performed at in his career. And of course, maintains his health, and that's a whole yes. lot easier to do when you have that type of offensive line in front of you. Yeah, indeed, there's no doubt about that. All right, so just moving down now, we're going to get to wide receiver depth charts uh, later. But saw an interesting tidbit today: uh, Colts released. Well, let me pre- preface this real quick. A lot of teams. Uh, are be, right before their preseason game we're getting down to the wire where teams are starting to release their first uh their initial depth charts of the season they've had camp to re- evaluate some of these guys and they're going to put just the depth chart out to kind of i don't know for media and fans alike to see kind of how they're going to go down the list so there, there's been a lot of updates on rotowire lately check it out here's his time for a quick plug rotowire.com slash free or rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial and you can check out some of these uh updates that we've got going here but what i saw today was uh from the cold step chart uh, in indianapolis here we've got Dwayne allen and colby fleener listed uh they're both listed as the starting tight end on the indianapolis step chart uh co-starters if you will uh what's your take on on this type of thing uh they haven't both really been healthy at the exact same time for a lot of time over their career yeah um but I guess looking at that, is there one you'd rather take, or are there are there certain factors that you look into play when when judging between those Colts tight ends? Well, I'll just say this first: uh, I'm not surprised they're actually listed as co-starters because they they're one of the few offenses in the league, like the Arizona Cardinals, who don't start a fullback. They mm-hmm. they they have two tight ends to in their okay. starting eleven, mm-hmm. so it, it's not really surprising that they have that co-role. Uh, on the other hand, I like Fleener better. Just he has. He has two healthy back-to-back seasons here the last two years with 50-plus catches and 12 combined touchdowns in those seasons, whereas Dwayne Allen has been kind of injury-prone in his career. And what were his stats like last year? Last year, Dwayne Allen, uh, see, 395 yards but eight touchdowns. Yes. So, the so they, they yeah. each had eight, eight, eight scores last year in uh, Andrew Luck's really breakout season, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know like yeah I think they'll both see enough reps over the course of the season to have decent touchdown totals but if you're looking at them in PPR formats I think Fleener is probably the safer option just because he has the rapport with luck from Stanford and now in Indian three years yeah I want to exactly I like how you mentioned the Stanford connection because I tried to 
like relay that a couple years back and Fleener, yeah. it wasn't until last year where Fleener actually picked up and became that serviceable tight end yeah. and built that chemistry, got them both up to speed here. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking at ADP. Oh, believe it or not, they're right next to each other, 15 <laughs> and 16. And that, that's funny. That almost prefaces my the exact answer I wanted to give. I was going to say that Fleener is ahead uh, by at least a handful of spots uh, in standard formats. It gets a, or I'm sorry, in PPR formats, definitely Fleener because you look at the, re, I mean, the receptions overall. He caught 51 passes last year, 52 the year before, like you said there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allen just 29 last year, although Allen did catch 45 in his rookie season in 2012. So something to potentially think about that. Allen very or somewhat efficient, targeted 50 times on those 29. Uh, Fleener targeted 92 times, which is looks like Fleener's going to get targeted a lot more. For me, the touchdown factor comes into play uh, when you get to standard leagues. I think they're a lot closer. Um, I mean, the way that the uh, the ADP makes it look, uh, neither of them are tight end ones, but I would I would almost make a case that you could say Fleener is a tight end one in a yeah, PPR the, format. At the end of it, for sure. Yeah. yeah, right at the end, if you're punting tight ends or you don't want to pay up big time for Gronk or Jimmy Graham there. I mean, so one thing we're going to point out, or I, like maybe we should point out too, is they may see a downturn in their touchdown production just because Andre Johnson's now in the fold. Dante Moncrief is going to probably step up a little bit in the offense, have more targets coming his way. And they also drafted Philip Dorsett in this past draft, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, they, like they have just, like just the fact that Luck has more options at his disposal – Maybe they these guys take a little step back with their touchdown total, but mm-hmm. but yeah, like you said, I think Fleener's probably the little the safer option at least when it comes to actual reception mm-hmm. output. Yeah, and I mean Moncrief, I, I like how you mentioned him. I'm just going to touch on him for a little bit. Uh, he's he's seeming to be a somewhat growing popular sleeper at least, uh, but of course Andre Johnson blocks that a little bit. And maybe at the end of drafts, I think he should be on the radar in dynasty formats. I'm not ready to put a bunch of stock in him this year just yet. I'm going to wait for that kind of year three wide receivers, that that year when it, they tend to break out, as we kind of alluded to last week on the podcast. So mm-hmm. I'm a little bit uh, a little bit bearish on uh, Moncrief this year. But uh, at the same time, I, I mean, Frank Gore in the past has been a pretty respectable, I'm talking Colts starting running back here, uh, pretty respectable uh, red zone guy. I mean, he only ran the ball inside the five-yard line four times last year, so maybe as he's going to turn 32, he may not do that uh, quite as much. But there were times, uh, I mean, the three years before that, he got more than 10 carries uh, inside the five. Of course, we like to look at red zone runs for fantasy stats. And if uh, if that part of his game, the short yardage, has perhaps eroded as he starts to get up there in years, then maybe we, they look towards uh, guys, particularly Dwayne Allen, a little bit more in the red zone. And, and Luck's going to find his guys. There's no doubt about that. And another thing I don't doubt is that when they're down in the red zone, Luck would much, he's a competitor. He'd much rather have the ball in his hands than hand it off to a running back and see what happens. And they, mm-hmm. the offensive line has you know been up and down over the years a little bit. So I think that bodes well to the tight end uh, touchdown total at the very least. For sure, yeah. All right, going to get into some uh, quick hitters here. A lot of uh, pretty much every day here during training camp, we have a list of guys that return to practice, a list of guys that are missing practice. Sometimes veterans just don't get uh, they get their days off. Sometimes there's actual some ailments in play. So I'm going to run down uh, the longer list here and perhaps touch on a uh, 
on, on a, a few more we'll go in depth a little bit but these are our quick hitters of the day first off we got Martavis Bryant from uh, Pittsburgh he returned to practice Tuesday uh, then we've got uh, Brashad, Brashad Perriman of the Ravens uh, rookie receiver getting a lot of hype as a sleeper in his rookie season uh, he actually missed his 10th straight practice today are you worried about him Eric or is that is that making him fall down your draft boards a little bit I mean he as a rookie I mean, I guess in recent years we have seen many rookies have excellent seasons. On the other hand, and and, and going and helping his cause too is the fact that uh, Torrey Smith is gone, so mm-hmm. all these targets are open. Um, but on the other hand, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens are going to have to rely on some rookies, I think, this year. Uh, tight end Max Williams is gaining a little bit of momentum there. and uh, but But their depth chart doesn't at the wide receiver position specifically is a little bit scary. You've got uh you got number 1 Steve Smith who by the way uh announced he will retire after the 2015 yeah. season. So Steve Smith number 1 on the depth chart. I just Steve Smith is the or is the annually like your your sell high candidate after week 3. He gets those fast starts and then kind of fizzles away. I don't know if he can count on full 16 games of production. Then going down the list, skipping Perriman, we've got Kamar Aiken, Marlon Brown, Campanaro, so not too many names stand out there. Yeah, exactly. So we would actually want him to, you know, come back, avoid injury, um, show what he can do in some preseason games before we maybe consider um, where where he's going to be, like, on our draft boards at that point. I mean, I don't really want to, like, waste a pick on a guy and then he does nothing, you know, the first six weeks of the season. Then I'm just wasting a roster spot. And you know, certain leagues that I'm in. Yeah, and okay, so I'm far from trying to make a comparison here, but yeah. uh, that that situation, I mean, Odell Beckham, how many weeks did he miss early on, and then he came yes, back? And, indeed. But uh, so Perriman could be one of those guys. We've kind of set this up, framing it again, Tuesdays during the regular season will be our waiver wire podcast, but Perriman, we're kind of setting this up as someone that we could very well revisit down the road, especially uh, if you're in a little bit of a shallower league and and you're not really uh, seeing a real a real high premium pr- placed on uh, Perriman, and I'm, and I'm checking it out right now 47 overall in terms of receivers ADP uh, grouped in there with John Brown Marcus Colston Kenny Stills Kendall White and even Steve Smith Smith's actually two spots ahead of him there probably the injury not helping his stock too much so that's the kind of group you're looking at if you're looking for Brashad Perriman and uh, if you're only starting two wide receivers in your league for the week I, I mean there's a chance that he could go undrafted and, and you could watch for him to possibly get one of those uh, waiver pickups. I mean, here here's probably like his role this year more than anything, kind of like a Martavis Bryant, like explosive threat where mm-hmm. he's going to have these incredible lengthy touchdowns and then not do much because his target count is not going to be incredibly high. I think that's going to be closer to like what he, you know, can uh what you can expect from him i guess as a rookie yeah i'd almost argue even that Mar- martavis bryant last season is is like the ceiling for Perriman. Yeah. I, I, I my expectations aren't very high this year yeah you know we've got some in-office ravens fans part of our crew they seem pretty <laughs> high on him but uh I, I don't know if i'm quite uh buying that there um in other uh wide receiver news uh I don't know. A lot of fantasy football leagues, uh, it seems to be growing. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know just from what I've seen, but I know my fantasy league has this option. And some leagues offer kick return yards points. And I know that's programmed into all the RotoWire DraftKit apps in case you do need to 
factor that into your rankings. And I did notice today that uh, Devontae Adams was taking some kick return reps at practice. And, of course, early on in practice, I'm sure a lot of guys are looking uh, out for there. But uh, that's a little interesting. As a Packer fan, do we want him returning kicks even? And, and how much does that actually raise his value in those types of kick return leagues? I mean, <laughs> I think we drafted Ty Montgomery. Sorry, I shouldn't say we. The yeah. Packers selected Ty Montgomery to kind of fill that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but on, I can see them kind of testing out all options just to see who the best guy is uh, mm-hmm. for the role. And, I mean, obviously uh, Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson are going to be the workhorse, or yeah, like the, the, ma- the main main men in the uh, passing attack. So um, I guess Devontae will have some available mm-hmm. um uh, juice from week to week yeah I, but yeah, potentially on, i don't know i, I like we want to see it in the game exactly like, we want to see him actually return kicks in the yeah. game and I, as i don't want to see him go out there returning kicks in the preseason i think uh best case scenario out of this news if you're an adams owner already is ty montgomery does the punts and maybe Devontae's back there with the kicks but uh i don't want to spoil too much we're going to go further I mean, in depth to the packer wide receiver situation in a little bit um, this is just not. This isn't fantasy relevant. But Micah Hyde's probably going to have the punt return role. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and he did fairly well in that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, previously. I actually noticed some subscriber feedback uh, today when I was uh, looking through some customer support items where uh, there's some someone had a league where return yards count for their IDPs. So oh really? To the to the one percent of <laughs> listeners out there that are uh, that are doing this, probably Mike, less. Yeah, possibly less. Yeah, not a very common thing, but yeah, Micah Hyde could be getting. Uh, getting some opportunities there but uh anyway we're gonna move on to arizona a team that you cover uh for the website eric uh, it looks like andre ellington who's been dealing with a hamstring injury uh he was a full participant in tuesday's practice so that's good news uh the backfield a little bit bag- banged up over there uh during camp uh how, how, what do you make of the situation so far uh for fantasy relevance so david johnson who is a bigger version of uh andre ellington actually he's just a more bulky guy mm-hmm. um he has a grade two hammy hamstring strain meaning he's going to be out for at least another week meaning he's also going to miss the first preseason game mm-hmm. of the cardinals on saturday okay um what about in, like- the fir- in the first week of camp though um only kerwin williams robert hughes and fullback paul Lasique have been i don't know how to say that actually but lasique something like that mm-hmm. have been uh healthy they had a scrimmage on saturday and kerwin williams dropped the ball twice or dropped the rock twice he fumbled of course yeah uh and after this scrimmage on monday because they had a day off sunday mm-hmm. uh both coach bruce arians and gm steve keim came out and said we're very disappointed in our running back situation and going to consider all going to consider all options today there was a rumor that they were they had offered a one year contract to Chris Johnson. Oh boy. Um yeah. But Johnson has some qualms, namely the fact that are you gonna keep me around the entire season if I do join you? Because mm-hmm. you know, they're hoping that David Johnson will eventually be the guy who's spelling Andre Ellington who is injury prone as well. Th- this situation is not great. Like mm-hmm. I I don't think you want to <laughs> I mean you there's going to be fantasy players who take a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I do like hope- Ellington in, in the right pick in PPR formats. I'd consider it for sure. But let's play make-believe here for a second. Say they sure. do go out and sign Chris Johnson tomorrow. Does that make you pull back from Ellington a little bit? Do you think Johnson would, can, would take reps from him? 
Or is that just too um, tough to tell until we see in the preseason how they distribute carries and to see if Johnson's still got that speed left in the tank or not? I mean, in a in a limited role, I think uh, Chris Johnson could have actually a pretty good year. Yeah. He averaged four four point three yards per carry last year, even after you know what was he averaging like mostly or upwards of five yards per carry six yards mm-hmm. per carry in his first few seasons yeah. so he was still last year he was an effective back in in his given role and yeah it's possible there I mean either of those guys uh, again you mentioned it's a situation that's worth avoiding you know we're, we're both pretty much in the room throwing our arms up in the air like what's going on here we'll see a little bit as, as far as who's healthier as the season gets closer and Kerwin Williams makes me think of paint for some reason. Isn't that a paint brand? Uh, Kellen Williams, I oh, believe. Okay. Yeah, something but it, like that. Yeah, I don't know. Beside the point. The, the syllables line up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, Okay, but, so moving. Oh, you yeah, have one last point just, to add there? Just with Arizona, the running back situation, I'm personally not touching it. I, last mm-hmm. year I didn't feel good about it. Uh, I didn't. I decided not to touch any of their backs, and it was a good decision. They only had one week where somebody reached 100 yards, and that was Kerwin Williams' breakout week last season. Yeah, I think it was like week 13. He had a um, hundred yards on like 19 carries, something like that. So this is just not like a run specific offense. They're mostly mm-hmm. going to rely on the pass. Yep. They one thing they did do in the off season was bring in Mikey Potty to play left guard. So I could see them kind of. Uh, focusing on the left side, mm-hmm. trying to get a running game going that direction. Whoever is the running back in the early going, just to see if they can establish something. Yeah. But who knows? Like it's just something to watch. Mm-hmm. Really. It's a wild card. I mean, I'll be the first to admit when I was when I'm wrong. Uh, I was pretty high on Ellington. I took him maybe late second, early third in a PPR last year just to make sure I got him. Definitely didn't pan out. So yeah. uh, you know, sometimes a player will leave a bad taste in your mouth and you'll <laughs> and you'll uh, skip out on him. And of course, doing that uh, that recency bias can make you miss out on some top players some years. So there's a lot. Uh, going on there but uh moving on real quick to uh everyone's favorite part of the program kicker news session uh we've got garrett hartley signing with the steelers today he's the favorite to win the starting kicking job after sean swisham is expected to undergo season-ending acl surgery hurt himself the other day there uh i mean steelers expected to be a high-powered offense uh hartley as a kicker provided i mean they might bring in some competition but uh you if he wins that job like he's expected to as long as he doesn't tank during the preseason he's got to get taken in 12 team formats with that yeah i agree swisham actually averaged 42 pats made and 32 field goal attempts the last two seasons with 18 total attempts from 40 and three from 50 plus and last year that put him in a tie for seventh in espn standard formats meanwhile hartley in his career has actually made 81.7 percent of his field goals and this includes 28 for 36 from 40-plus, which equates to 78%. So if he, in fact, does win this job, you're right. Like He has the um, track record from previous, previously in his career that he can actually be an effective kicker. And because the Steelers are such a high-powered offense, he's going to have kicking opportunities all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I just checked on the ADP of Swisham before the injury. Of course, that hasn't quite uh, settled back down since the injury there, but he was 11 overall, so... Again, he would be a kicker to be taking in the top or in even 12 team formats. And I know it's way oversimplifying things to suggest that his replacement and that kickers are just interchangeable in the National Football League. But right. at least the opportunities are there. That's that's the point we're trying to make. And if you're like me, where you just punt kickers and defenses till the very last and stream them week to week and and 
Hartley's still there, he might be someone to give a shot. I mean, that offense will be scoring a ton of points. Yeah, definitely. Keep him on your watch list at the very least. Yep. Uh, Football season is just a few weeks away at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you could win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, eight players won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues in 2015, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com. Head on over to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry. DraftKings.com. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. All right, Eric, now we're going to transition over to the second part of our program here uh we did mention earlier in the show that last week we looked at uh, some afc depth chart situations specifically at the wide receiver position because in a lot of places it's clear who the number one guy sometimes even the number two guys are but if you find fantasy value in the number two or even number three receiver uh there's always opportunity for them to move on up the depth chart as the season moves along as well as uh if an injury happens uh then they're right there in the mix for a prime share of the targets And the first team I want to look at today is the New Orleans Saints. And uh, we mentioned earlier in the show that some preseason depth charts are starting to come out. Uh, Veteran Marcus Colston, of course, listed uh, number one on the Saints depth chart. But uh, the number two spot was maybe a little bit surprising uh, in in some eyes, at least. Uh, It was Brandon Cooks. And, uh, of course, he's starting to get uh, a lot of steam as as a sleeper there and what do you think I mean do you think Cooks has a legitimate shot to lead the team in yards and or receptions or both this year well yeah let's look at the options at Drew Brees Drew Brees disposal this year he's without Jimmy Graham Mm -hmm. so those targets are gonna have to go somewhere correct absolutely so and we do see second year wideouts come out of no I mean we're not saying Cooks is coming out of nowhere but you can see him emerge as a le- le- legitimate number one threat. And Colson, on the other hand, 32 years old. He hasn't uh, racked up 1,000 yards since 2012. Mm-hmm. And in each of his last two seasons, he's had 900-plus yards and only five touchdowns. So if you're putting out the hypothetical, can Brandon Cooks lead the Saints in yards and touchdowns? Yeah, that's totally possible, especially with the situation presented to him. Yeah, yards, receptions, and touchdowns, I think he's the clear favorite. And that's reflected actually pretty well by ADP. Actually, this is a bit surprising. I didn't even look at this before the show, but Cooks is number 14 overall in terms of ADP, right behind Manny Sanders, right in front of guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Kelvin Benjamin, Jordan Matthews. I mean, he's looking as a a solid wide receiver, too, for sure. Uh, In a lot of formats, he's going to be your wide receiver one there. So, I I mean, I'm definitely on board with that. And like I said, we look at Colston later in the show, uh, 46 overall. So he's like the gap between the two of them is a lot more than what the depth chart would suggest there, don't you say? Yeah, and don't I wouldn't be scared off by uh, Cook's output last year. If you recall, he actually missed the last six games of the season due, a bro- due to a broken thumb just as he was getting going, and he had most of his uh, um, four, 20 and 40-yard um, receptions during that span too, like the, I think the last four games before he uh, you know went on the IR. So he was just about to break out and maybe do kind of what Odell Beckham did you know, the last half of the year. Yeah, so, quite possible. And, so, yeah, like I see him as the number one threat and I think it's reflected entirely in this ADP we're checking out Mm -hmm. yeah I mean Cooks didn't have a single hundred yard game last year but uh, came close a couple times Uh, very impressive for PPR formats he had games where he caught seven eight and nine passes uh, nine passes for only 56 yards in week five against Tampa Bay but the the big play potential is there and I mean some of these 
these are 20-point games if you're talking 7 for 70 and a touchdown. So mm-hmm. uh, I think you'll see quite a few of those this year. And, of course, kind of moving down the depth chart, we've got Nick Toon at number 3. He'd be a pretty deep sleeper for me, I'd have to say. I mean, we saw him at the Badger uh, with Wisconsin. Didn't really get to see him showcase a whole lot because of the way Wisconsin football is played with very much a run-first style. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Rotowire's got Toon projected for 688 yards and five touchdowns this year. Is that possibly realistic? I don't think it's realistic. Toon didn't have a target before Cooks went down last year. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a single yeah. target. After that, he had 17 on 23 targets for 215 yards and one touchdown. Yeah. So, yeah, if you extrapolate that over the course of the season and take keep in mind that you know Jimmy Graham isn't there, I'd say maybe 500 yards is totally attainable. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know if the touchdowns will be there. Yeah, exactly. And the one thing Toon has going for him is even though he's not listed as a starter on the team's depth chart that came out recently, he's pretty firmly entrenched as the number three wide receiver. I don't see Brandon Coleman or Centavious Jones taking that from him. No. Going down the list, Willie Sneed, who got cut by the Browns last year, what does that tell you? <laughs> I, I mean, who knows? I don't I don't know too much about the guy personally, but uh, yeah. I just know from covering the Browns that name's familiar. So it's just... I. I I mean, he's there, and I would like to see him succeed. I'd be very happy for the Badger, a former Badger, to do something like that. But uh, so, yeah, there's potential there, but uh, the upside's a little bit more limited than a lot of people are are making it out to be. One other thing to keep in mind with the New Orleans situation yeah, they lost Jimmy Graham, but they brought in CJ Spiller. He's a legitimate, like, pass catching back in this league. Mm -hmm. So you could see him kind of take on some of those uh, targets and receptions, and they won't really filter down to tune. So, yeah, you kind of focus on the top wide receivers in New Orleans and maybe take flyers if you see Toon doing something at some point. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Drew Brees and the Saints can focus a lot more on the screen game this year than they did last year because yeah. Mark Ingram, although he's a solid workhorse back and one of the biggest fantasy surprises and, or, you know, paying off the biggest dividends last year he's not really much of a screen back or you think of him maybe a little bit more of a power back so yeah Spiller fits in nicely there and of course Kyrie Robinson in that backfield mix kind of gums up the works a little bit as well but uh, a few more teams to get to uh we want to go to the Chicago Bears next uh NFC Central here we're gonna do a couple NFC Central teams of course when you look at the Bears Elshon Jeffrey he's number one on the on the depth chart no questions asked I mean Jeez, the way Cutler likes to throw is he, he'll probably give him 15, 20 targets a game. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's a little bit of exaggerating, but uh, you know, I, Cutler, I don't know. Like some games, it won't be an exaggeration, though. Cutler, oh crap, I'm going to get hit. Uh, <laughs> quick throw it to the same guy. I mean, th- yeah. that's how it was with Marshall a little bit before Jeffrey came into the mix. So he's the number one guy there. And I mean, most preseason projections, everything I've seen so far, have, have the Bears as a last place team in this division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the offensive production maybe is not going to be the same, or at least not the same setup as it was before. But searching down the uh, the Bears' depth chart to find value, Kevin White, we kind of talked about a little bit last week how it's going to be tough to gauge that value until we see him in action. And then we go down to like three-week wonder, Eddie Royal, someone will blow 20 bucks in fab on him in week two, and he yes. won't produce the rest of the year. We've kind of been down that. Uh, but actually, I saw Marquez Wilson uh, actually – having a couple decent uh, practices that he's stringing together and who knows he's been around the league for uh, a few years now I believe and I mean he's someone potential or maybe okay so he's only 22 but uh, this will actually be his third year in the league yep. last year just seven receptions for 140 yards and a touchdown but uh, I look at our recent update today I'm just going to read it straight from the Roto-Wire website Wilson shined during Monday's training camp practice hauling in a tough one-handed catch um, over Tim Jennings during a two-minute drill session. So, again, this camp stuff's a little bit overhyped, but 
maybe somebody to look at, or are we going to wait and see at least for the preseason? I mean, if you if you take this with a grain of salt, um, yeah. keep in mind that Kevin White is out. He's on the pup list. He's not practicing due to a shin injury. Yeah. So, yes, Marcus Wilson is having the opportunity to actually shine, mm-hmm. in quotes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, at the end of last season, he actually had, let's see, the last four weeks of the season, he had five targets, five targets, ten targets, and three targets. So he was being used in the offense uh, a decent amount last year. So yeah. I don't know, like if, say, Kevin White stumbles, this injury lingers, he might be the number two wide out going into yeah. the season. He absolutely has a, an opportunity to do that. At the very least, he'll be used. I mean, we're not saying – sorry. I was just going to say, at the very least, he'll be used in three wide receiver sets. I'm not saying jump out and draft him, yeah. but he's another candidate. I know I'm saying this a lot. Yeah. I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but he's someone that week two or three we could be talking about on the waiver wires. You probably don't need to draft him because nobody else is going to be there unless you're in maybe a 16-team league or if you're doing like a deep auction or something like that. You want to fill it up with a dollar player. He's about as good of a bet as anyone. I know in the Rotowire Stake League auction last night, Terrell Pryor got taken as a $1 player. So some leagues do get pretty deep like that, and it's he could be worth a look. I mean, the opportunity's there. There's little evidence to suggest that he'll be taking this huge leap or anything, but it's potential. We're always trying to look for some right. of these deep sleepers. Yeah, you qualified that very well. Like, that's that's spot on. It, it, there, everything will have to go right for, you know, Marcus Wilson to be considered, you know, in fantasy in yeah. the near future. And, and regardless of what happens here, I still think that after Jeffrey, Martellus Bennett is number two in targets. Exactly. And there's a very good chance. See, now, I don't know if Forte is gonna, Matt Forte is going to be used the same as, uh, as Tressman used him last year, but I very good chance uh, both Martellus Bennett – and Matt Forte get more targets in the passing game than receivers that aren't that are not named Elshon Jeffrey. Right, since he, since Cutler doesn't have those two reliable wideouts anymore. Yeah, at least veteran wideouts. Yeah, and well, I mean, how, how often we've seen Jay Cutler for a long time? How often does he get to the third or fourth read before panicking? Exactly. You know, that's part of a problem too. There, but staying in the NFC Central, we want to just touch on the Packers a little bit. They're a team where we all know Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb are top 25, maybe even top 20 players in those PPR, three-wide receiver formats. You definitely got to get them off the board quick if you want a shot at capitalizing on what's expected to once again be a high-powered offense there. And very rarely do we talk about the number three wide receiver being a top 100 player even, but we're starting to see based on early ADP and based on our rankings uh, where Devontae Adams fits into the mix. And we mentioned him earlier just in the news portion touching on kick returns. Regardless if he, if he gets thrown out there for a kick return or two, I mean, you got to think about uh, taking him relatively high this year. I mean, is he still at sleeper status or has he crossed that boundary? Well, yeah, it's funny. We're looking at this ADP uh, NFCC uh, NFFC rather uh, site, and we just discussed Kevin White. Kevin White is 36 on the list, on this list. If you go down a little bit, scroll down, mm-hmm. you'll see Devonte Adams. Uh, so Devonte Adams is in the midst of guys like Eric Decker and Marcus Colson, who we've already discussed today, and that seems far too low. So he's seemingly entering this season as a sleeper candidate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have him uh, in my top 100. It's actually quite a bit quite a bit up there I have him 81 overall in terms of my uh oh, in, nice. in my PPR leagues and maybe that's being a little bit high on him I don't really want to be blindsided Homer-ish. by the fact that he's a <laughs> he's uh the Packer there but yeah, I'm yeah. gonna just quick look at our aggregate rankings I'm actually not too far off uh mm-hmm. in terms of that because uh, I, I mentioned these aggregate rankings you can check them out on rotowire.com we have six NFL experts that uh band together put 
their top 200 fourth and we kind of see what the rankings are and I always like looking at those more than one person's ranking but uh we have Devonte Adams at 91 overall so really only uh, I'm only 10 spots up on him and uh someone uh in our in our one of our experts here uh, has him as high as 71 so I'm not too far off in terms yeah. of that I think the ADP is lacking a little bit and he's someone where unlike Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb we might get to see a little bit in the preseason mm-hmm. um, following his rookie year last year and that's going to turn a few more heads so I would say he's a player whose stock has definitely been on the rise and uh, you know all things considered uh, if you're drafting in the very next week there could be some opportunity to capitalize there, but if you're drafting in the weeks closer to the start of the regular season, you might have to reach a little bit more. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Oh yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> with four games on the docket here. Like he he will impress at some point, and mm-hmm. he'll rise up draft boards. But yeah, right now, if you you could uh, you know strike gold by getting him at you know if he's going at uh, thereabouts, what is it a hundred? yeah um, so like the ninth round right now mm-hmm. in uh 12 team leagues yeah if you can get him that maybe like 11th round yeah you are literally st- striking gold potentially yeah exactly and he, i mean he's been impressing the coaching staff pretty much doing all the right things you look at his game log last year i mean his uh his best game was against new england where he was targeted 11 times for and ended up catching six for 121 and then of course in week 17 uh targeted 11 times as well seven for 117 and a touchdown so, I mean, the, the, the numbers are there, and he he had a slow start to the season. Uh, I mean, he only had more than two receptions once in the first five weeks, but he really picked it up, and I think he's going to be able to build that momentum a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, he had the two huge target games uh, against Dallas in the playoffs and New England in the regular season, and we've been following his offseason because, you know, we're Packer fans, and mm-hmm. he's wholly impressed throughout the entire offseason program. He had a ridiculous one-handed catch in the family night scrimmage on Saturday night. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, all the talent is there, and we're just starting to see uh, maybe the beginning of a star. Yeah, especially <laughs> now that he's starting to get the uh, trust of Aaron Rodgers. I think that was a very good draft pick. I know uh, I just want to go back to his college days real quick at Fresno State. Oh, yeah. uh, Derek Carr was his quarterback, and he was taken pretty highly uh, in the draft there by the Raiders. And a lot of people argue Devonte Adams maybe uh, got a lot of attention because I believe he was a second round pick from the Packers. Uh, he got a lot of attention because he had a good quarterback. Well, you know, you can think of it the other way around too. Maybe Derek Carr, his value rose a lot because he had a weapon like Devonte Adams. So that's just, I, you know, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case, but that's just one thing to potentially think about when uh, looking at a guy like this and and trying to find some value on draft day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so. Uh, the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys, going to kind of switch over uh, to a new division here. Uh, Cowboys uh, have, like the Bears, a clear-cut number one receiver. His name is Des Bryant, as we all know, tough guy. Uh, I can see him, you know, getting another 14 to 16 touchdown season again easily this year. Well, maybe not easily. Of course, he'll have to earn it. But after that, the depth chart gets a little bit more cloudy for me. I mean. Terrence Williams was a big-time sleeper pick last year. I fell into that trap a little bit, and not only did I fall into that trap taking him, I mean, he didn't have a complete bust. He had uh, eight touchdowns, 621 yards, but he did that all on 37 receptions. So, yeah, I mean, really, if he wasn't having a big touchdown game, he had some some pretty rough fantasy performances there. You know, if he, if he, ends, he even got shut out in Week 10 uh, against Jacksonville when he was only targeted twice, and you think, you know, against the Jaguars, he'll be okay. But there's... Uh, of course, there's Terrence Williams, 
And then there's uh, Cole Beasley, who I'd say really is is the main competition of of Williams. Uh, Beasley, 26 years old, out of SMU, uh, just fresh off a uh, four-year contract extension worth $13.6 million. Uh, Believe it or not, Cole Beasley caught the same amount of passes in the 2014 season as Terrence Williams. They both hauled in 37 passes. Um, Beasley, not quite half as many touchdowns, only just four. And... uh, and a couple hundred, yes, less yards there. But do you still think Terrence Williams is the guy to target here? Are you a little bit maybe backing off uh, after the season last year? Or are we kind of business as usual and you think Tony Romo takes that step and we're good to go? Oh, yeah. Um, I th- I think it's just take it year by year. Like, usually these guys will show, like, modest improvement as they go along their career at the very least. Um, Williams has all the talent in the world. We saw it last year with the eight touch- touchdowns. He's also has another year in the system. Uh, they're losing DeMarco Murray, so there are going to be more targets to go around. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, maybe J- Jason Witten takes a step back, so some of those targets go to Terrence Williams. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, I, there's a lot of generally good things going in his direction. Mm-hmm. And I personally, I would lean toward him over Beasley. Yeah, and he's another player I see at least giving you a lot of uh, potential value in drafts this year. Now, I talked about that recency bias early on with Andre Ellington. I had Williams in some in some leagues last year that was a little bit disappointing, but he's no longer a sleeper that you have to reach to get. Looking at his ADP, he's sitting behind guys like Devontae Parker, who's uh, you know a rookie with some upside maybe, but dealing with injuries. Percy Harvin, that's a big question mark. Ruben Randall, who knows what they're getting out of him with uh, Cruz supposed to be healthy, and of course ODB yeah. in the mix there. So uh, he's among those type of caliber guys, and I think if you're looking, stretching that far, I mean, 194 overall, like barely getting, or I'm sorry, 137.9 overall in terms of ADP. So you're, you're looking at wide receiver or wide, res, or I'm sorry, wide receiver three price with maybe wide receiver two value if the Cowboys can really pick it up this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something to uh, consider there. And I, I don't know, Cole, Cole Beasley, uh, I think the depth chart has it right this time around. I don't think he needs to be owned in a lot of formats. He's someone that if you can maybe pick your poison in, in a daily game in a, in a tournament and he has one of those he's always a an option to score um you know who knows he could have a multiple touchdown game I mean I look uh I, I'm looking specifically uh week 13 against Chicago who you only was targeted three times but he's 42 yards and two touchdowns so if you get one of those in a uh, DraftKings millionaire maker for example that's going to put you in very good shape because he'll be a minimum priced receiver and yeah, no uh, he'll allow you to you, I don't know, maybe you're stacking the Cowboys. There's a lot of porous defenses in that division there. So uh, maybe you're stacking the Cowboys one week and you want to put Romo and Dez and need someone dirt cheap, mm-hmm. get Cole Beasley in there to help uh, cover you. That's uh, so, so really I see him more in that use, uh, maybe a $1 player in a 16-team league. So, yeah, we're probably, we're probably going to recommend him more in daily formats than we will in mm-hmm. you know season-long formats. And since uh, the focus of our uh, – you know, Tuesday pod is going to be, you know, weekly pickups. We're probably not going to talk about, you know, Cole Beasley that often Mm -hmm. in that regard. Yeah, getting that out of our system a little bit. Uh, But last thing here before we uh, wrap up here, something that to me has been a bit of a mystery over the past couple years, and that's the Seattle Seahawks wide receiver situation. They didn't seem to have much on their depth chart, and then they kind of let, they've let some talent at least walk away for potentially other reasons there. But Russell Wilson is always uh, the owner of a fresh contract, by the way, Russell Wilson, always seems to find a way to get it done. 
And the number one receiver on that depth chart is Doug Baldwin this year. And that's one of the, I mean, not, no knock on Doug Baldwin, but in terms of number one receivers in the league, that's probably one of the weaker number ones. And uh, they do have, I know this is receiver geared, but they do have Jimmy Graham coming into the mix this year. Does the fact that Jimmy Graham is there pretty much take any value away from two or three on the depth chart, guys like Jermaine Curse or Ricardo Lockett, or is that... Uh, or can they potentially benefit from Graham drawing away some of the attention uh, from opposing defenses? Wow. (laughs) This is a difficult wide receiver uh, situation to parse out. Like you're right. You like Doug Baldwin. If you like anybody in this situation, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) I mean, I think as far as the way I see it, uh, Doug Baldwin's really the only draftable Seattle wideout, and curse and Lockett. Might have a couple good games this year, but they'll really only become relevant for if uh, Baldwin and, gets hurt for whatever reason. And, and he's only missed two games in a four-year career, so there's not many much reason to uh, suspect that. You know, more than anything, they'll just like tempt you on the waiver wire in a given week because of what they did the previous week. Yep. And that was probably more so because of the Seahawks game plan. Like Daryl Bevel drew up something to get you know Lockett involved that week to take pressure off of you know the other wideout considerations, and he had a big game. Yeah. And uh, Rotowire, actually, we're projecting Doug Baldwin to uh, take maybe a little bit of a step back this year compared to 2014. 2014, he had 66 catches for 825 yards and three touchdowns on 98 targets. So not a huge fantasy year by any means. You're looking wide receiver, wide receiver three <laughs> status there if you pick and choose your weeks, maybe. 2015... Pretty much similar, a little bit of a drop in targets, likely due to the presence of Jimmy Graham. We're looking at 59 receptions on 88 targets for 755 yards and three touchdowns. So, uh, you know, same yards per catch average, that kind of thing. But he would really need to take a big step up before you consider uh, trying to target him in a draft. He's someone that would more or less fall into me where, yeah, I don't know. I don't like the rest of these options right now. I guess he's the less of the evils. Let's, Let's grab him, you know. Yeah, yeah, the main guys in Seattle you focus on are, you know, the quarterback, the running back, and the tight end at this point in time, and potentially Baldwin. Yeah, Russell Wilson loves throwing to the tight end. We saw that at Wisconsin, yeah. and uh, I think people are – I know Jimmy Graham had a little bit of a down year last year, but definitely don't – I know no one's sleeping on him. He's number two tight end in terms of ADP, but just another reminder, don't sleep on him. He might be worth a second-round pick for you to get value at that position. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, which is brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Remember to use the promo code Rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, one last time here, check out Rotowire.com free for 10 days by going to Rotowire.com slash pod. That's Rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Alongside Eric Katuria, I'm Jake Latarski. Again, if you're out there on Twitter, uh, I'm at Jakeski52, Eric at ETCAT30. Send us questions, feedback, anything you want us to tackle on future podcasts. Uh, But that'll do it. We'll be signing off here. Nick and Mike will be back with you tomorrow.